I'm Aaron Schoenfeld, and you're listening to The Sound of the Loons. Williams here on the road with the coaches at MNUFC. We had a wonderful conversation around where the team is going and expectations for the 2020 season. But before we get to that, come spend your summer at Allianz Field. Delaware North is the official food and beverage provider of Minnesota United and is now hiring prospective employees starting at 16 years old during our on-site hiring events. Events will be held February 24th and March 3rd from 5pm till 8pm in the Brew Hall restaurants. Enter on the north side of the stadium, directly through the Brew Hall. Delaware North offers free meals, flexible scheduling, competitive wages and opportunity for advancement. Apply online today at dnstpaul.com to learn more about these exciting opportunities and to solidify your interview. We look forward to seeing you at Allianz Field. Right then, uh, welcome to a special edition Coach's Corner from Portland, Oregon, where we are just a few days away from the season really getting underway. Um, we did one of these last year and we enjoyed it so much we thought we'd do another one. And of course we have several new faces and new voices to introduce you to as well. So what I'll ask you to do, chaps, is um, obviously when I introduce you, if you could just say hello and... Um, a couple of other things to let the listener understand your voice. Um, they might need some work with you, Mr. Kerr. Um, so, um, without further ado, let's uh, let's crack on with the poll, shall we? Um, first of all, um, wonderful, uh, as always, to be joined by the head coach of Minnesota United, Adrian Heath. Uh, Gaffer, how's things? Good. Been a great pre-season so far. I think we've all been really pleased with the attitude of the players, um, pleased with the people we've brought in. So, so far, so good. And as I always say, getting through pre-season, fit and healthy for the opening day of the season is the number one priority. And so far, we're well on the way for that. Um, alongside you on the, on the, the right-hand side and your right-hand man, again, is uh, is Ian Fuller. Um, welcome back. How are you? We're, uh, we're great. We're, we're tired after five uh, long weeks, um, two in Florida. Uh, now we're back into to Portland. But um, like Adrian has mentioned, uh, all the guys are healthy and the guys have uh, worked extremely hard and the camaraderie has been fantastic. Uh, the team spirit has been exactly what we were hoping for. Wonderful. Um, so the, the two new men, part of the, the coaching clan, shall we say. Uh, next person, you, you may have seen wandering around Allianz Fields, um, looking a little lost from time to time. Um, but he's uh, renowned as uh, the best goalkeeping coach in the league. Wow. Um, wow. Well, this is coming from your, your mouth, <laughs> by the way. So. <laughs> um, he, he's someone who had a, a, an incredible career as a player at Celtic um, and has uh, been wonderful at various different clubs in Major League Soccer, which I'll let him get into in a bit. Uh, Mr. Stuart Kerr, how are you? I'm very well, Callum. Uh, just enjoying pre-season. Great to be here for the start of the season. As the gaffer said and Ian said, it's been fantastic the pre-season. The boys have worked really hard. And I think now we're just looking for the real stuff to start. Mm. And another man um, who has uh, made himself known and uh, I've really enjoyed getting to know him. Uh, on familiar grounds and, and territory um, for the former Portland Timbers assistant manager, now Minnesota assistant manager, 
Um, and I, I think it's safe to say, Sean McCauley, you've, uh, you've enjoyed yourself over the last couple of weeks and have settled in very well. Yeah, it's been really good. It's been fantastic to get to, to know everybody associated with the club. Just a little bit disappointed that I didn't get introduced as the best coach, uh, assistant coach. <laughs> <laughs> Because obviously Stu's big build-up there. <laughs> it was always going to come down from that point. Wasn't it? <laughs> uh, no, I'm enjoying, enjoying working with these people. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. I'm learning a lot. And, and like I said, it's good to be back in Portland. Mm. Well, don't worry. We'll go. We've got plenty of areas where we can go down and, and we can build you up, no problem at all. Um, before we, we get into a few things, because I'd like to, to really understand how these two came to Minnesota Gaffer, but um, talk to us, if you would, uh, about... 2019 as, as a season for Minnesota United? Well, I think it was, it's pretty apparent to everybody who saw it that, that we got the players in, in the off-season last year mm. who had a huge effect on the on the team. What we didn't want to do is to try and stand still now. We need, we need to add to that. We need to bring players in. We feel as though we've done that. You know, quietly, we've put bought 10 players in this year. You know, obviously, we've got three new keepers, which, you know, Stu will talk about. We're really excited about them. Then I think, you know, when I look at Molinest and Jacory Hayes um, and Schofield, um, I'm losing my count here. <laughs> but, uh, no, I think all the players that we brought in are capable of playing in the first team. So the one thing that we've got now is a real depth for the, for the coming season. We've got the League's Cup coming up in the, in the summer months. Got maybe a Sony and um, Mason away with the Olympics. Maybe Jan Gregus goes and joins Robbie, Robin Lord in the in the Euro. So we felt as though we needed to really bolster the uh, the, the roster with people who, we, if we needed to, will actually come in and help us. And I think we've done that, you know. And I think one thing that we was just briefly touched on. I think the the attitude of the players has certainly been as good as anywhere I've ever been. They've got on with everything that we've we've done. There's not been a dissenting voice, apart from Mason this morning, <laughs> but we soon put him in his place. And um, but apart from that, it's been absolutely excellent, and we we couldn't be more pleased from where we were to what we've got here. We still, you know, we still got an opportunity to add one or two things as well, and we will do that if we get the opportunity. Fuller, from your vantage point, what was good? What was bad about 2019? Yeah, I mean, clearly the the good. Uh, you know, outnumbers the bad. I think you know, even though the the Open Cup final was a bad feeling, the the run was amazing, and and just having the guys uh, gain that experience, um, and and having lost uh, and and in such a tight game, I think it's just going to drive the guys on uh, again. So um, I think guys want want that taste again. Um, you know, this, there were a few highs. Winning on the road in LAFC was a fantastic. Uh, performance on just on the back of the Open Cup final um, you know and finishing fourth having that home playoff game um, I think also when you look back at the year we were all so disappointed with the way the cup, the cup final ended because I, I do believe if we had a equalised we would have gone on and won the game and then the, the real bitter taste of the defeat against the Galaxy when we were far and away the better team you know I think that gives you an idea of how far we've come yeah when we're really disappointed against a good Galaxy team that we, we, don't, we don't take it on even further. Mm. Um, what was it like? I know, Stewie, you joined about two-thirds of the way through the season. When you went into Minnesota United, was it what you expected or, or were there things to be worked on? Well, the big thing for me, first and foremost, was the stadium. You know, the atmosphere mm. uh, in the stadium. 
the, the home advantage it gives us. I think that was a big thing that stuck out for me, really. Mm. Um, when you have that sort of advantage with fans, that you can really get a good home record, and I think that proved to be the case. So, for me, that was a, the first big thing I've really seen. Um, and then, Sean, um, looking at Minnesota from an outsider's point of view in 2019, what, what were your thoughts on their campaign? I uh, I remember speaking to the boss after we played them, and we, um, we played them and it was a draw, a tie. And it was probably the most one-sided tie I've ever seen in, in my career. We got absolutely, you know, Smashed. dominated. Yeah. Um, and I said to him after, I says, we know how your team are going to play because we scout like every team does. I said, but we can't stop you because the quality of the players that you've got in the system of play that you do was too much for us. Mm. And we had some good quality players uh, in Orlando at the time. Yep. You know, even though I was only there for a for a short spell, people. I mean, I was there for three seasons, spring, summer, and fall. Um, but it was it was a tough, tough game every time. You know, you came up against uh, Adrian's teams, especially if you're at Orlando, because you know he's got a really good record against them. And you know, it was it was tough when I was at Portland to play against Adrian's teams. But I did notice that the quality of the players was very good, and then it's been improved again this year with the the younger players that have come into the squad to, to try and push the older players on. Mm. It certainly seems, Gaffer, that you've you've now got the group of players that you you want and you need to play the way you want to. I think that was evident with the with the players you had in last year, but now with what you have in it, and as you say, hopefully more, yeah. there are many that are already tipping this Minnesota United side to be towards the upper echelons of the Western Conference. Well, that's totally right. Um, <laughs> but the, I think the most important thing is that incrementally every time that we've had an opportunity, we've tried to get better. And I think we've done that. You know, as I said recently, if you're standing still in this league at this moment in time, you're going backwards because, you know, you just look at the amount of money that's been spent. Like Kansas City in our group are spending nine million on a striker. You know, it's it's all over the league. Like you'll know better than most. How much have Portland spent? Yeah, and you everybody know? wants to finish first. But the the bottom line is, is to win MLS Cup, you don't you don't need to finish first. It gives you a bit bit of an advantage. But as it proved last year, you know. The, the team that finished first didn't didn't actually win the, the MLS Cup, uh, but I do think that 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 recognition of how how well and the incremental you know improvement in in performance and players has been mm. is recognition of the good work that's been done. But not to get too far ahead and say oh you can do this you can do that. Mm. The the goal at the end is the is the important one, and you know it's it's important to to keep that into perspective. Yeah, and we'll. We'll, we'll talk more about records and such and, and you know players that have been brought in a little later on. I do want to address, while it's on my mindset, um, Vito Minone, um obviously was very good last year. Stewie Co, you, you worked with him every single day. Um, how disappointed were all of you when it was obvious he wasn't going to come back? Stewie, I'll, I'll start with you. Well, obviously we were disappointed because, I mean, he did a great job for us. I mean, first and foremost, you've got to recognise that, but... It's a case as always, football moves on. Um, and I think what we've brought in, the three goalkeepers we've brought in, including Dane, including Dane and that, um, I think we've added another dimension to the goalkeeping core. Um, and I think for me, when you always look at goalkeeping departments, you always look at age-wise in pecking order. And I think what we have with the goalkeepers, I think like Tyler's 26, you've Greg who's 25, Dane who's 22, young Fred who's just turned 16. 
for me, that's a perfect group to work with. Mm. Because especially in pre-season, this is where the goalkeepers get their base that keeps them going. Especially the starting goalkeepers, this yep. is where keep them going the rest of the year. And we didn't have to modify any training. Which can be the case with an older goalkeeper. And this group just really wants to work and work hard. And everything I've asked them to do, they've done it. No problems at all, even when they've been fatigued. So for me, obviously, it was a big miss. But I would actually say we've improved in our goalkeeping core. Mm. Yeah, I think also it's been there for us to see in pre-season. Yep. Tyler's a better goalkeeper than I thought he was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember us watching LAFC and thinking, where's this guy come from? And, you, you know, Seattle's reserve team keeper. So you didn't see much of him. So I think for us to get get him like we have at the age he is, I think it's it's a great bit of business for us. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, I think it's a great bit of business. And I think with Tyler, people forget he's been in the US national team squad and he'll be looking to get back in. Mm -hmm. But also as well, he's played with a massive club for two years. Mm -hmm. We have big expectations in LAFC and he's won a supporter shield. And even when he was a young when he was a young younger goalkeeper at Seattle, he was twenty two, he played in the Western Conference final. You know? He played in that in the first leg, so when Stephen Fry was injured, so he's used to playing in big games. Mm -hmm. So I think that's very important as well. And I think because he's younger, I think people forget that. Uh, Gaffer, uh, a quick word on Darwin Quintero as well and, and what he meant to Minnesota United during his time here. Well, I think when you think of Darwin, we'll probably always think of that hat trick of chips against Toronto FC. And, and, and Darwin was great for us, you know, but we just wanted to go in a slightly different direction, wanted to get a little bit younger, wanted to get a little bit more athletic. We feel as though we've done that. Um, We've got a really good age of the, of the squad now, coming down from what it was. And I think that's going to stand us in good stead over the over the next year. But we, we wish Darwin nothing but the best, I'm sure. You know, the people of uh, Houston land you watching him play and he'll get a good reception when we play them. But, uh, you know, it's, we're moving on now. We've, like you've just said about Vito, we, you know, at the time we were trying to get him in, couldn't do it. So what do you do? You move on. And you, you know, you thank him for what they've done for you. But now it's about other people and uh, we're really excited with some of the pieces that we bought in to sort of replace Darwin mm. you know Luis Maria you know, he's only, I know he's only played a couple of games but he looks like he's going to score goals for us yeah. and that was something else that we, we felt we were missing was a, a really you know consistent goal goal scorer somebody who's consistently in the box at the right time and we feel that you know Luis being fit and healthy we feel as though he, he will score more goals than we've been getting in the past 25 apparently 25, yeah. I don't know, is, is he including training in that as well? I'm not, I'm not sure, but uh, by the way, the way he's going, he's got three and two, yeah. But he's, uh, no, he's, he, so far it's been a real good start for him and we're quite excited with what, we, what we've got. Okay, we'll, uh, we'll move on from Minnesota United um, for a moment or two. Um, you mentioned Darwin Quintero then in terms of the, the hat-trick that he scored against Toronto and I think that perhaps defines his his Minnesota United legacy. That was his best moments. Let me ask all of you, rewind the clock a little bit and, and go back to your playing days. After rewind that clock a little bit more for some of you. Um, <laughs> um, was there a moment that you can think of where you had a, a you know a big game like that that really defined your career? And, and, and if you were to go back to whatever that club was, people would instantly remember you for for that moment, Gaffer, I'll, I'll start with you. Mine's quite easy. I, I'm, there's not a week goes by that somebody doesn't mention either a goal at Highbury or a goal at Oxford. And 
I still, when we turn up at stadiums, there'll be a scouser somewhere who's an Evertonian. He'll always mention them. We, we were out last night at a yeah. bar called the Toffee Club, which is obviously an Everton supporters club. Paolo mentioned it as soon as we got in there. That goal again, Oxford. So I get that sort of throughout my career. It's, uh, But that's the, the, the couple of things that most people would remember me by, certainly certainly at Everton. I think I know Stewie's. <laughs> Go on, Stewie, what's yours? Well, for me, I mean, the same as a gaffer. It's easy to remember uh, playing in Celtic Rangers games. Um, my first Celtic Rangers game, it was just after Euro 96, and um, Paul, certain Paul Gascoigne was playing. <laughs> And I actually gave away the penalty kick, it was Brian Brian Loudup actually gave it away, so I had to redeem myself a little bit. I was lucky, Gascoigne stepped up and I made the save. That to me, similar to the gaffer, it's like when you go back, there'll always be someone who remembers it. You know, the real die-hard supporters, they'll remember it. Mm. Um, and that for me was probably the biggest moment in my career. Yeah. Another one would have been, for other reasons, was Mark Haley. And the Celtic Rangers game getting sent off for headbutting me. That's another one. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is it like playing in that derby? Is it is it as intense as everybody thinks it is? Yeah, it's very intense because it's the build-up starts as soon as as soon as you play on the Saturday, the build-up starts on the Sunday mm. straight away, and it's the whole week. The whole country's gripped by it because it's that's what it is. Obviously, mm. because of the legend divide, everybody's talking about it. Incredible game to go to as well yes you know it's one of them bucket lists for certain people I know but you you can understand why like I fortunately had the chance to go and see quite a few of them I love the games the atmosphere is incredible as good as anywhere in the world I would say yeah I've been to a few played in Scotland and Mm -hmm. obviously all my family's Scottish Uh, and they sit on the right side of that Sean, what about you? Is there a moment that you can think of? Yeah, I mean, you don't have to rewind the clock too far for me. It was earlier on this week when I beat Fuller at head tennis. By the way, that was the best, by the way, most that, defining that, moment, I think. That wasn't difficult, though, because he's been really poor <laughs> yeah. the way he's played pre season. Yeah, no, but it's pre season and he's trying to get himself going. <laughs> But yeah, when I beat Ian at head tennis, because he's overlooked me for a lot of things, and, and you know, I thought that that was a big moment for me, like big moment to try and get myself going here. Nobody wins anything in preseason. I'll just say that it's preseason for a reason. Well, um, what about you, Fuller? Um, is there, you know, I know before we, we spoke briefly about this last year, and, and you mentioned the Open Cup final before. Yeah, I don't even feel worthy talking about this in front of the the careers or. <laughs> around me but yeah I played in the Open Cup final and scoring and we, we lost but uh, actually played with Ozzy in midfield that day um, when he was a young 20 year old mm. and I was at the end of my career but um, playing in the Open Cup final um, and even getting there as a second division team was quite an honour and yeah we lost but it was, it was a good memory That's some work to do that day Ozzy yeah? <laughs> <laughs> There's one other I, I'll have to mention certainly since we've been in America was the opening day at, uh, in Orlando 62,000 people there. Mm. You know, that was a club that somebody said, this will never take off in Florida. And like three years in, we would get 62,000. Mm. And that's something that we'll never forget. Unbelievable day. How much, you chaps have obviously been in US soccer for a long time now. How much has it changed? Not not just Major League Soccer, I'm talking USL as well. And you go, now that the newly launched CPL in Canada, you know, that there's, there's so much soccer available. 
Um, I know, Adrian, it wasn't necessarily always like that, particularly when, when you got here first as well. No, when, I, when we first got here, we were playing in the USL and we'd go to these you know, like high school stadiums with like 50 people there sometimes. And you've seen that grow now to where likes of San Antonio get 8,000 for every game in the USL. You know, you look at some of the USL stadiums and what they're trying to do at that level. I think it's only going to be good for the game. But in terms of the, the MLS, it's changed unrecognisably. From the, when, what year did you get here, Sean? I got here in 2012, okay. and, and, and it has. And it's changed not just because, like, like the infrastructure of everything, but the players. Yeah. The players that are coming in are now, you know, at a level where they could probably pick, you know, anywhere in the world to, to transfer to, yeah. but they're actually choosing MLS. Yeah. Uh, and that's a, that's a big change. And it's a big challenge as well for every other club, either to join in or to, you know, play a different type of strategic game to, to, to be successful mm-hmm. uh, because like I said it doesn't always work well the commissioner was on about it being the best five leagues in 2024 right. yeah mm-hmm. was, like it was it was well on the way to that yeah you know I, I think the other great thing has been the stadiums like you briefly yeah. mentioned yeah. our stadium which is arguably the best in the league but mm-hmm. the LAFC stadium fantastic yeah. you know since here moving into one Nashville are building one to this one even yeah, yeah. They've just spent eighty million on yeah, a, yeah. a stand here yeah. in Portland. So, I think on and off the field, it's it's just been going. You know, the trajectory's been going that way. Mm. And like Sean just said, we, it, you're going to have to keep getting involved in it because, you know, everybody wants to spend money now. It seems. Yeah, as Sean said. I mean, like I came in the same year as Sean, 2012, and like even the difference from 2012 to now is absolutely massive. Mm. Player-wise, stadium-wise. Even everything, even coaches and everything now coming in. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a league now where players and, and coaches as well really want to work, mm. you know. And I think that was the, the, the thing in 2012 that would have been, or maybe go, maybe don't go. I think now it's a real place where players and coaches want to go. Yeah. Um, I noticed that with my emails. Yeah. It's nearly, it's not a day goes by that somebody's offering you a player who's out of contract next year, wants yeah. to come as a DP. Yeah. And, and it's it's big leagues, big yeah. and big name players, by the way. Yeah. You know, so I spent the majority of my career in the states, mostly in the second division, and played against Minnesota back in the day, and probably played in front of a few hundred people uh, up at NSC. So yeah. to see the growth of what has gone just in Minnesota is amazing, and yeah. the people mm-hmm. in the stands, the, the the dark clouds, and and that whole group in behind the goal is unbelievable. Um, we'll move on to to coaching. Um, you've all obviously been at various different clubs throughout your illustrious careers. Um, what, was there again a moment that you can think back to, Gaffer, I'll start with you, where you kind of thought, not necessarily that you, you know, I've made it, but, but it's a moment that you look back on... Playing or coaching? Fondness, in terms of coaching. Um, I, I, I always wanted to be a coach. I think I took my first licence when I was about 23 or 24. So it was always on my mind. Mm. The, the thing for me was I ended up getting the Burnley job because the manager got fired and I was popular with the fans and the chairman at the time goes, well, you've just won the poll in the paper. You may as well be the coach. I went, I'm not, I'm not ready for it yet. No, you'll be, you know, you'll be okay. Won the first game away at 2-0. I hadn't even met the players and the headline was tactical genius. So I thought, hey, this is easy. This is going to be easy. No, but... Uh, it, no, for me, it's for coaching. I think uh, last year we took an awful lot of satisfaction in what we did mm. uh, from where we were because I think it was people don't realise how tough being an expansion team is, you know, since he just found out last year how yeah. tough it is. So, 
And I think Nashville will probably do it this year as well. So it's, I'm really, really pleased that I'm here, really pleased that I made the decision. And I think the other thing as well now is if you look at some of the coaches who have been coming into the league, like nobody would have thought that Tata Martino would have been yeah. at Atlanta. Talking about Barcelona's manager, yeah. Yeah. Argentinian's ma manager, you know, Terry Henry now. Yeah. You know, I know he didn't do so well at Monaco, but just the name mm -hmm. and the fact that he played here tells you something that he thought there's something to be done in America. Yeah. That's why he went to the Montreal job. And he called them. Mm. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't a case of they recruited him. He yeah. called them and said, you know, I, I would be interested. Mm. Big difference. It is. Massive difference. Um, Stewie, uh, what about you in terms of a, a moment of coaching um, where, where you thought, you know, I've, I've really done well here or, or you felt a sense of accomplishment as a coach, you know, not necessarily, you know, winning something or was there, you know, a, a certain player that you noticed improving or, you know, something along those lines? I think for me, the coaching, I mean, it's obviously all about goalkeepers for me yeah. um, and improving goalkeepers. Um, I took great pleasure when I was at Motherwell, 2009-2011. I was lucky enough to work with John Ruddy and Dan Randolph, who at that time, John Ruddy was like fourth choice at Everton. And Everton were just wanting him off the wage ball, willing to let him go. And he came and he played a year for us. Did really well, fantastic goalkeeper. Uh, and then he moved on to Norwich and obviously moved on to what he's done in the Premiership, the rules and stuff like that. And then when he left, it was a case of, oh, what we're going to do now because we had a low budget and stuff like that. And, John Ruddy's leaving and we managed to get Dan Randolph on a free from Charlton believe it or not <laughs> they, re they released him yeah. incredible when you think back when you think back to it now Yeah. and I worked with him for a year and then he's kicked on became an international goalkeeper and done what, and done what he's done so for me with the goalkeepers I think that, that was a that, that was a big thing it's, it's what you I mean it's what you want to do as a coach right you want to go and improve the players I think that's the, the bottom line for all of us Yeah. Now, obviously the collective is important because that's what keeps you in a job, yeah, winning yeah. games. But to see the, you know, when you work with players and yeah. you see the difference that in two years that we had with Kyle Laren, yeah. you know, yeah, it, yeah. and you you take satisfaction about the kid who's come in a little bit raw, yeah. and you know, two years later he's been transferred for five million yeah. euros or whatever it is. So and it's the same on the other side because I remember, like, two of my things is, is like one of the big things for me was when I was working in in the UK. The boss said to me, have you got any players? We played in a game, this is years and years and years ago, when he was first in the US. And I said, I've got a player called Luke Borden. I said, I think he's played a few times for the first team. He's out of contract and I think he'd be good. Uh, he needs a different change. And I remember you brought the team over. Yeah. We played against you and it was like a good game. And then, yeah. it, and then the conversations start getting going and I'm thinking, I'm changing... Well, we ended up changing that kid's life. Yeah. Like, he moved from Sheffield. And I knew his background. I'd, I'd been with him since he was, you know, twelve year old in yep. terms of trying to get him through in the Sheffield Wednesday system. Mm. And then before you know it, the the boss has got him playing in, in MLS. And for me, that that is something that I don't think you can ever take away because then I end up in Orlando and in a coaching role, and he's living literally a corner kick away from me. Yeah. And we go out for a couple of beers, and he and he comes back to me and says, you know, I really appreciate what you did and all like them types of moments, like Stuart says in coaching, like the boss yeah. says there, in, in terms of taking somebody and making their asset value much higher, mm. is great. It's like really, really rewarding. Because... Especially with Bods, that changed his life. Completely right? changed his life. Mm. And, and, and and he's a great kid. Great and kid. now married, being a yeah. citizen. Yeah. yeah. Now, he's a, now he's starting coaching. Yeah. So it, and that, them sort of things are very, very rewarding. And then the, and the other thing for, for me was, 
We won the MLS Cup in 2015, which was fantastic, but there's yep. only one team that wins it. There's only one team wins it every single year. So mm -hmm. if, if everybody's, you're judged by, you have to do that, then there's going to be 23, 20, 20, at the time I think it was 22 when we were in, mm -hmm. in 15, and maybe, maybe, uh, maybe 20. But it was, you can't judge just by being the number one. Right, yeah. Because otherwise, everybody else is a failure. Huh. Yeah. yeah. You know, so we've got a couple of different things, like, like I said, moving players on, working with players, and mm -hmm. changing players' yeah. lives, essentially. But the other thing is, when you do win it, it's quite good. Well, I know when, when we look back after our first year and we got 10 wins, no disrespect with the group that we had, I thought it was a great achievement. Like, it doesn't mean a lot to anybody else, probably. Yeah. Or it did to us, because we yeah. knew what we were doing and what we got. Yeah. So it was a, a really, uh, we took a lot of satisfaction from that. Yeah, before I, I go to Fuller, um, I want to ask you again, Sean, I know you, you mentioned winning MLS Cup here in Portland with mm -hmm. a big one. What was it like for you as well as the caretaker manager of Sheffield Wednesday, because humongous club. It, it was, yeah, it was brilliant doing it. And I say all the time, and this is not, you know, I don't want to do myself out of a job, but when you're the caretaker manager, you're not the manager. Sure. You don't have to make decisions. You don't have to make transfer decisions. You don't have to make decisions. It's really easy, because you go in and you say to the players, a new manager's coming into this football club, so you better work hard. Right. Because he's probably watching. And it and it just all you need to do. And I had two different stints. The first stint I had was was the manager got 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 fired, and I actually played for that manager. And he was like a completely different person when he was managing this team. He was too tight. He was too uh, protective. He was too defensive, and the players were actually quite quite good. Like a lot of good young players. Mm. So all I did was go a little bit the opposite for three or four games, and you end up winning them. Yeah because they just needed something different. And <laughs> there is research on this. You change the manager, you are going to get a short term hit, but eventually it will be the same again unless you change everything about the club, mostly the players, because mm. the players have got you in that position. Then the second time, the manager was too expansive, wanted to play you know, all over the field and take risks everywhere. So the second time, he just tightened them up a bit and they got a couple of results as well, which then means you know, they went on and for the next six, new manager came in, for the next six games they won, I think they went unbeaten for six games and got relegated because mm -hmm. they had another 15 to play. Yeah. And eventually they weren't good enough. Mm -hmm. So the, the two, two short-term stints I had was fantastic in terms of understanding the, the manager's role. And I think that's probably a strength that I've got in terms of with the boss. I half know what is going through without actually having to go through the real nuts and bolts of, of the job, because yes. it is a tough job. What about Portland in 2015? I, I, I was out with uh, the Timbers analyst, Ross Smith, yesterday uh, for a little while, and uh, he uh, told me a lot of stories about uh, Mr. Ridgewell, Mr. Liam Ridgewell, and, and how important he was to the locker room and how integral he was to the culture of Portland Timbers at the time. Was it, first of all, how, how big was was him being in that locker room and that culture, but the, there must have been other things that were, were able to play a part in, in winning the championship as well. Yeah, and the, the key thing was he, he fostered and created a, a team spirit, uh, which was really good for, for us as a coaching staff. The other thing which was quite, and it, and it happens all the time, Ross Smith 
is from Scotland. Liam is from England. They don't really communicate with each other. They get to Portland, they've got a best friend who lives in Vancouver, mm-hmm. both of them. They've been out for a few drinks, like, maybe 10 years earlier, and all of a sudden they have a really good, like, friendship. Mm. I know Fuller through a really good friend of mine who lives in Portland because they grew up together. I've known the boss for, for years, <laughs> yeah. so I meet Stuart, me and Stuart actually live together now in Blaine, <laughs> in, in a little apartment complex. Uh, in Blaine. Hey, this is the odd couple, <laughs> the by the way. <laughs> the odd couple. Um, so, so and, and we've played against the same people back in 1992, 1993, 1994, So it's like a village. And, and all that happened in 2015 was, it was an amazing group of people that were all playing their role at the right time in their careers. So so Liam was at coming towards, you know, the end of his career, Nat Borchers. Yep. So they were playing central defence and they, they knew how to win games. Yeah. We had uh, right back Alvis Powell and Hoy Villafana at the time who were in their positions where we wanted them to do a lot of work, but they were young enough to do it. We had Nagby in his prime, Char in his prime, Villeri in his prime. Not bad. Uh, yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> and, and then Addy comes in. And we, we traded, which we traded, and Stu was at Toronto at the time, we traded Bright DK for Maxi Yeruti because Maxi wasn't working out in Toronto. Right. And literally we played them and Maxi stayed. I've not told you, so he yeah. stayed. Didn't go back to the team. Yeah. He didn't know what was happening. So we stayed and we took him. Wow. And, and it was, uh, Fernando had to play. If he didn't score 60 minutes, Yuri would go on, he'd score, so he'd play the next game. But everybody understood the role. And I would say the most important cog of that wheel was a player called Jack Dewsbury, mm-hmm. who was in the league, you know, being really successful before, but knew his role. So when in every game he would play a part in every just about every single game, he'd either start or he'd come on for the last 15 minutes and then either calm us down or or ramp us up a little bit. And he was really important to that. So I, I would say that the overarching message of that is it was like a perfect storm. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I think you're building for and that's what the gaffer's saying when, when he said we're tr- trying to change the direction a bit you, you're changing it to find the perfect storm of the, the young players the old players yeah. everybody getting getting on together everybody understanding the role and I think once you have that then it, and, and everybody has a pe- part to play 100% and it might only be a little tiny bit yeah. it, it might be a game that somebody comes on with 15 minutes to go and gets a goal that gets yeah. you a draw. Little things like yeah. that. And when you look back over whenever you've been successful in your career, there are all little moments, but the one thing about it, everybody has to be bought in. Yeah. And that was one of the things that we tried to address as well this off-season. Mm-hmm. Um, Fuller, in terms of uh, coaching, is there a moment that, that stands out to you? Yeah, you know, clearly um, after the first two years here and then for us to get better and better and make the playoffs that was great but individually I mean that everyone wants to whether you're a carpenter or accountant or whatever you want to work with somebody something and just see flashes of 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 what you're working on get better and I think you know I I spent a lot of time with Mason Toy over the last year and a half uh, and to see to see him kind of come out of his shell and score a few important goals at the right times uh, to help the club do really, really well. Um, I think we all felt extremely happy for the kid because how hard he worked, but we all felt a little bit 
you know, a little bit pat of our, on our back for, mm. for what we've done uh, and putting the time and effort for him. And by the way, it doesn't come about unless he wants to do it. So all the credit to him. But it, it's, it felt good. It felt nice. I'm surprised that Fuller's not mentioned this time as a caretaker manager. Yeah. yeah. He's, had, he's had two games. Yeah. Got to well, no, I, I'm yeah. undefeated, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised. You know, let's, let's hear about that. That's what I want to hear about. No, I mean... By the way, I was on my deathbed <laughs> in... In uh, Orlando, and but, Fuller takes him to Antigua, and where else was it? Hold on, that was from Harrisburg to Rochester. Oh, yeah. You were sent off for the, the two legs in Antigua. Okay. I didn't mind taking the team to no, Antigua. Hey, that that was a, 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 on your deathbed from sending decent, off, what did you do? Hey, and by the way, he goes back and he goes to me, I don't want that ever again. I've not, <laughs> I've not slept for two nights. <laughs> undefeated, though. Undefeated, That's undefeated, what I'm saying. Undefeated. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Well, in terms of... The coaching and stuff. Uh, how how much have you, all of you individually, how much have you changed as coaches from for when you first started to now? I mean, I, I can only imagine that the differences over the course of the years and, and what you've you've learned and, and gone through. Gaffer, I'll, I'll start with you. I think for me, it's delegation. I look back when I first started. I want to do everything. Mm-hmm. I want to do every training session. I want to do the scouting. I want to, you know, uh, st- stuff off the field with the club. And now it, the the job's too big now. You can't do that. You know, I spend as much as my time with off-the-field stuff as I do with on-the-field stuff. That's where these guys come in. Mm-hmm. And that's why having a good staff is so important. And I've got a great staff. They work really hard, uh, really dedicated to what they do. I think they know the way that I try and work. They're trying to you know, keep that enthusiasm every single day. And that's what they've bought. They do, they're doing a great job. Stewie, how much have you changed as a coach over the years? I think quite a lot, actually. I think when you first go in and coaching whatever it is I think you maybe think you can reinvent the wheel at times because you look from afar and you think oh I would do this and I would do that mm-hmm. and stuff like that and I think you, you quickly realise and you get humbled um, because what you do in training means nothing really it's about I mean it's, I think it used to be in the olden days with coaching it was it was a case of the players worked for the, for the, for the coaching staff it's the opposite now. I think. I think it's the coaching staff now work. They work for the players. Because right. at the end of the day, we've got to put, we've got to provide an environment that they feel comfortable in. They know there's accountability, and at the end of the day, that gets everybody better results. Mm-hmm. And it, it keeps us in the job, and it keeps everybody going. So for me, I think that's the biggest thing. I think it's about keeping the players right um, on and off the pitch, and the tactical stuff come, comes and goes. But I think it's all about man management. I think that's what the gaffer's really, really, really good at. I think it's about how to manage players the right time to put the arm around the shoulder. Or sometimes you need to the, the boot up the backside. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, like, for me, is the biggest thing I've learned in coaching. Sean, is it different coaching players in America as opposed to doing it in England? Uh, I would say there's a cultural difference, you know, in terms of, you know, feedback and... and um, understanding the individual and, and the background of the individual, I and mean, that's that's a, a big difference. But overall, I would, I would pretty much like like the boss and, and and Stewie said there. You know, you learn to delegate. You learn to, you know, what's important and what's not important. But in terms of the difference between the 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 US and like said like said in England is. It's more of a, a social thing. So if you look at the, the players uh, in the MLS, say for instance, they're probably not under as much pressure yeah. as the players in South America and, and Europe. 
Yeah, I'd agree with that. And and that's something that we have to understand because we probably need to keep them on the toes a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, people talk a lot about, oh, you've got to back off from the modern-day player. Well, sometimes in MLS you have to, you know, get them going. And that's where the manager's really good. He understands that, and like Stuart said, that understanding the time where you've got to, you know, put your foot down. Um, because we don't have that external pressure, mm-hmm. which is, which is like I said, in maybe South America and, and, and Europe. Which, uh, again, I think that external pressure is wrong as well sometimes, especially in South American players, you know, leaving a game, fearing for your family and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. So it's not a good thing. Um, Fuller, in terms of you um, and, and coaching and whatnot, um, I think um, th- th- there's been a lot of people that have... Um, Thank you, Gaffer. By the way, I noticed everybody walking over here trying to be very quiet on the microphones. If we're pouring wine, don't worry about it. It's no problem <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think um, a lot of people have noticed, obviously, that, that particularly in this off-season, you, I've certainly noticed you've stepped up and you've been doing a lot of the, the a lot more of the, tra- the um, preparation for training um, sessions and whatnot. And has has your role changed over the, the last couple of, of months? And, and have you changed as a coach at all? Um, yeah, my role's changed a little bit. You know, Watto um, was very organized uh, in, in with the session planning and, and making sure we're on the same page working with the staff. And that's been amazing working with Sean now is because he's got so much knowledge. Um, so it's changed a little bit, but not significantly, no. I mean, Sean, Sean has got incredible experience and in just trying to pick up what, what he's, his knowledge has been great. Um, you know, and individually i think that i was extremely emotional mm-hmm. uh, and s- some people will really? laugh and say that i'm, I'm yeah. <laughs> what do you mean you were uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah. but honestly my blood pressure has dropped significantly um i mean i would take every tackle every you know decision this that you know the, against us to really to heart and um i think that i've just become a little more low-key and i would continue to like to work on that um, but it's not easy. You go from playing to, to right into that. And, um, you know, Adrian's also emotional. So I think that I could, I would like to try to balance him a little more. And, and I, I, it's, it's one of the things I want to work on. But, um, you know, I think the staff that's around me, I, it, it's just fun to be around because they're so knowledgeable and have so much experience. So um, at this point in my career, I'm, I still just want to learn more and more. Mm. What about pressure? whether it's internal, external, from the boss, from fans, how do you deal with it? I don't listen to social media or read any mm. social media, which I think is becoming more of an issue these days for players and coaches yeah. Yeah. and the owners. Yeah. You know, certain, certain managers are getting fired because of the external pressure of social media. Mm. That's a fact. And... Um, you know, I think it's a really dangerous area we're going into. I think, you know, you, you see a manager work every single day. That should be enough, not looking and listening to what people are saying because everybody has an agenda, it seems, at the moment at certain times. But, no, I think the pressure is we all want to do well, I think. You know, as I've said before, nobody puts me under more pressure than I put on myself, you know, and we we did well last year, but we well, I know that that doesn't count for anything now. We're starting it here in two weeks' time and... We, it's all over again mm-hmm. and then it starts again it ramps up you know right. it's, it's uh, so I think the pressure is probably more so now the social media but I think internally most of us put ourselves under pressure because we want to do well mm-hmm. I think the, the there's a real simple like 
for for anybody that's been in the game, obviously the gaffer's been in it the longest. Anybody that's been in the game for a long time understands that if you win a game, the next week's all right. Mm. It's quite nice. Mm-hmm. If you lose a game, the next week's not nice. Mm-hmm. So for me, the pressure is every time you play, you you have to win. You have to try to win. The only difference is the opposition are trying to win as well. So it becomes a little bit difficult sometimes because you can't win everyone. Sure. But you have to, you know, you set your team up to try and win because for, for when you talk about pressure, my only pressure comes from if I win, I win, not I. If the team that I'm involved with wins, the next week's okay. Mm-hmm. If you lose, it's not okay. It's not a good week. So if you want to have a nice life, then you're better off just win. Yeah, you're better off winning every week. Yeah, I said, I think it was last year when we, we went on that little run, I said, it must be great being Pep Guardiola. Yeah. You wake up every Sunday feeling yeah. great, and your wife, your wife's like, oh, another great week. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it does affect family life. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. It affects everything. That's what I was just about to go into. I mean, you know, the psychological side of it as well must be quite difficult at times, but... But we spoke about this briefly last year, Gaffer, and Stewie, I'll, I'll direct this at, at, at you. I think, you know, we, we do a lot of travelling with, with what we do, being involved in football, and, and we love working in football and, and wouldn't have it any other way. But it, it can be difficult on, on families, can't it? Because you are constantly relocating and moving around because you have to go where the job is. Yeah, I think that's what it is. I think, it's, I mean, it's a profession where, I mean, nowadays you're very rarely at a club now for more than four or five years. Yeah. I mean, it used to be that managers and stuff like that and players would be at clubs now for like 10 to 12 years. They'd get testimonials and stuff. Mm. And I think that's the biggest thing. I think, obviously, with the travel and MLS, it does put a lot of demands on you. Mm-hmm. Because it's actually different than the UK football. Because in UK football, especially in Scotland, I mean, Scotland, your furthest journey is a three-hour bus journey. Yeah. So, you're back, the latest you're back is like eight, nine o'clock. And I think it does... It's, it's, it's one of those ones for the, for the families where, going back to what Sean says, if you win a game, you're going to be in a good mood on the Saturday night, and the next day and the next week's going to be really good. I can only imagine what it's like for a manager, because we as a coaching staff take it really personally. Mm-hmm. But for the manager, well, what he has to deal with with the press and you're in the court of public opinion, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, I can only imagine what it's like when you go back and, and you've lost a game. That's the commitment, though, for, you, for your wife, mainly. Yeah. Mm. You know? You know, we, we, we've got each other. Mm. We go to a new club and then you take some of your staff with you and then you've got a new group of players and your wife ups and goes and she's lost all the friends. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's difficult for, for, the, yeah. for the wife. And I think we sometimes underestimate how important they are for what they do. Yeah. Just by being there and not, not being, yeah. you know, being supportive as they can. I think yeah. it's huge. Just for me anyway. Yeah, same. Um, We'll move on, and uh, I asked this briefly last year, but I'll ask it again because I'm intrigued to see if it's changed for Gaffer and Fuller. Um, the best player that you have coached personally and the best player that you've coached against during your, your coaching career, Fuller, I'll, I'll start with you. I don't know what I said last year, by the way, but I, <laughs> I think that... Vinko, I think, was the, the most the okay. talented... The, the best player I've coached and, and just working with him and actually playing with him, I've really enjoyed being around Ozzy. Just, he's a proper leader um, and sometimes not as vocal as uh, some, some leaders are, but just he just goes about his business and gets on with things. I remember 
last year during preseason, he was very new to the team. He, someone got kicked in training. Actually, I think he kicked someone in training. Uh, and they were, you know, on the ground rolling over, and he, he said, it's just a kick, and grabbed him and pulled him up. And he, he just gets on with his business, and, mm. and he kind of drives uh, the entire squad, us included, to be better, uh, just because he's achieved so much. Um, what was the other one? What, what, what player that we, we've coached against? Yes. Um, you'd probably still have to say Giovinco just because he could change the game at, at, at any moment. I mean, he's, he's buried us with, with free kicks, with, with dribbling runs, with actually headers, if you can believe it. So well, he's, he saved them up for us. Yeah, he? he's done it just about all against <laughs> us. You know, he'd have that little four games without a goal and we'd be playing them and go, here we go. Hat <laughs> trick Giovinco. One's coming. Yeah. Golden Gaffer, you're, you're on. Um, I think Gio's, Giovinco's been brilliant. I, I loved watching Almiron. I thought he was a real game changer. I think Joseph Martinez, if he stays here, will probably go on and be the highest goal scorer in the league. I think he's been great for the league. I love watching David Villa yeah. when he was at New York City for the yeah. simple reason yeah. is for a guy who'd achieved everything that he'd done. You know, people forget, best goal scorer in Spanish national team history. Mm-hmm won the Euros, won the World Cup, and runs around every single game yeah. like it's his last game. You know, that's one that we used to mention him to. There were younger guys, mm-hmm. likes of Abu and, you know, Mason and people like Kyle Lannan. Have you seen this guy? He's 36 years of age. Every game he played, he was full on. So I loved watching David Villa. The best one we've coached, I'd, oh, I don't know, but some people would obviously say Kaká, mm-hmm. but we had him at the end of his career. I'm sure he must have been some player when he was 25. Like we got him when he was 35 nearly, something like that. But, um, and you know, we had a good time with Kyle Lahren. You know, we took him yeah. in the draft and, you know, we're talking about players who you, you think have helped, you've helped. He was one that we, we put an awful lot of work in, but the kid wanted to get better and do well. And, you know, we're really pleased now he's in Europe and he's doing well. So, mm. I think so. Stuart? For me, I agree with the guys here. For me, Giovinco. Um, I think when he had that spell at like two years where he was virtually unplayable I mean he, for me he basically carried the Toronto team you know I, and I've never really seen a player do that have such an effect on one team mm. I just thought he was absolutely incredible I had an effect on our team this week yeah <laughs> with me and you I had a good yeah no. full of letters down I know that's <laughs> a, and yeah I was going to mention that yeah. Like, yeah you know Sporting Kansas City this your time last year was Played a Champions League game and murdered someone in Mexico, and they didn't make the playoffs last year. It's preseason, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going. You to can get better. You can de- you can deflect as yeah. much as you I'm want. I'm going yeah. to get better. When Saul's better than you, there's a problem. <laughs> Saul's had a good preseason. Yeah. Um, what well, what about uh, players that that you've had, Stuart? For me, it would have to be Julio Cesar, mm. the Brazilian goalkeeper. Yep. I was very lucky. He came to Toronto for a spell. Uh, before the 2014 World Cup in Brazil. Yep. So for me, having the opportunity to coach a guy who's been World Goalkeeper of the Year, like won Serie A, won the Champions League, won the World Club Championship. Well, he was the best in the world at one stage. He was the best in the world yeah. at one stage. And for me to have the opportunity to coach him, and he was going straight to the World Cup after that, yep. in his hometown, and to see the emotions he was going through. And similar to Kakai, he was probably coming to the end a little bit, but you could still see... Like his ability, his flash, and more importantly, he was just a fantastic guy, fantastic man, very, very humble, 
easy to coach. So yeah. that would do one for me. Best players normally are. Yeah. 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 So, I, I had two players in Portland that were that were really good. And the most talented, I would say, was Darlington Nagby. Mm -hmm. But the one who would like make sure you won a game was Diego Chara. Mm -hmm. You know, and people talk about different players in that squad who get a lot of publicity and stuff like that. But both of them two, like talent-wise, Darlington was, you know, unplayable at times. But in order to win a game, Diego Chara would, and the statistics prove it, that every time he played, he, we usually win when we when he didn't play. Because he did so much stuff that was, that went unnoticed, really. Um, and, he, and he was fantastic. In terms of... Um, playing against, it's interesting, uh, Andy Carroll, mm -hmm. so we're at, uh, at Sheffield Wednesday, and it's a team against Newcastle, who were top mm -hmm. of the league, we were at the very bottom, they're at the very top, it's yep. Boxing Day, which historically is a massive, massive, yeah. massive game. And um, so it's a full house, and I'm getting the team, like defensively, to, to, to mark, their worst player, because their worst player, all he did was boot it like 70 yards up the field to Andy Carroll. <laughs> so Andy Carroll was like up there, like having a field day if he got the ball. So we made the other guy who played alongside him was Colachini, who was like our Argentinian international. Yeah. And we're saying, let him have the ball. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because he won't pass it to, to, to Carroll. But, but you, when but you know what? The final third, Carroll was unbelievable. Andy Carroll, that's why he got the move. Yeah. When Andy Carroll was young and fit and healthy, yeah. he was like Duncan Ferguson. Yeah. Yes. Unplayable. I agree, yeah. Unplayable at times. Yeah. You know, you know, I know he's well he's been well paid for his career, but yeah. it's 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 sad how his career's gone because he's he's got injured again now. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like and a bit like Dunk as well. It's like yeah. a, it's the same sort of thing yeah. where you went through with Dunk. Mm -hmm. Uh, okay, so I know, Gaffer, you've got to get going uh, yeah. soon, so we'll, we'll spend 10 minutes talking about uh, Minnesota United here and, and what we can look forward to um, in this 2020 campaign. A um, lot of new bodies, as you mentioned. Yeah. Um, who excites you the most? Well, I think Amaria's certainly come in and looked like he can score a goal, which is important. I think Kevin Molino's had a really good pre-season, as has Ethan Finlay. You know, they're a year on now from the ACL. We think we'll get a lot more out of them than we, than we got last year. Um, it's just the group, really. I'm really excited about the group. We've, we've got a really good group of guys who are really working hard, and I think we might need one more. If we can get one more over the line, I'll be, I'll be pleased. But, uh, no, the, the excitement for me is that I'm sit, sitting here now probably more, not more relaxed, but more confident of the group than at any stage since I've been at Minnesota. So that's a good thing. Mm. Um, Stewie Kerr, I, I know you had said to me uh, a couple of days ago, Tyler Miller has been first class. Yeah, he's been absolutely first class. So have all the goalkeepers, to be fair, in pre-season. They've been fantastic as well. But as the gaffer said, I was actually surprised with how better he was, better than I thought he was. I think he, he went through a season last season where he probably never had the full confidence of the manager. And I think for a goalkeeper especially, I think that's really, really difficult, especially at that type of club. Yep. So for me, the gaffer has a full confidence in him, the, the, the staff has a full confidence in him. Mm. And I think that you'll see him you'll see him growing. I, I think he's only probably touched about 70% of what he can do. Mm -hmm. And I'm really looking forward to seeing him, seeing him blossom in the year. Before I go to Sean Guffer, I want to ask you about centre-forwards because you've got three very different forwards as it stands in, mm -hmm. in Amaria, Toy and Schoenfeld. Yeah. Um, one of the pre-season games in Portland, you, you opted to 
to switch things and go to a four four two. I think having Schoenfeld there gives you that option to do that. Yeah. But for those unaware, what 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 is the best way to describe Luis Amaria? What what is his game exactly? Well, he's he's really good with his back to goal. You know, he's very good at linking up with play. He's good in combination playing around the box. He's got a really short mind. You know, a couple of times he's got in from throw-ins when everybody's asleep, and he's you know he's he's. He's got a bit of everything. Well, the, the one thing that he, he looks like he's got is he's got that, that smile, that feel. You know, in England, we call it like the fox in the box. And he just looks as though he's always going to be in the right spots. Mm. You know, the, the, the first goal he got the other night against the Revs, with the one from Kevin Molino, takes a little deflection. It doesn't make any difference. He's in the right spot again. Really good finisher. So we've been, we've been excited for him. And, and if we can create the amount of chances and the quality of chances that we created last year... 25 is going to be a lot, but I think the kid could get in and around 20. I really do, if we create the same amount of opportunities for him. And that's the key thing, isn't it, Sean, is, is creating those opportunities. And I think last year, Minnesota created a lot of opportunities, but with the array of talent behind the forward now, you would assume those opportunities would be plenty. Well, I saw it first then when we played, when Orlando played Minnesota. It was, you know insane the amount of opportunity they had at goal but you know they couldn't get the final touch on the ball and years ago you like coaches used to talk about it's your first touch that's the most important thing everybody's got a good first touch now mm. everybody everybody in the world the good players everybody who plays has a good first touch the most important thing now is the last touch and that's where i think the gaffer's talking about you know the goal that takes a little deflection the last touch is still okay it doesn't, you know, so he's got good last touch sort of finishing skills. And if if the team creates the chances, then then it, 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 it'll be there. And likewise, they have to do the similar job as, as what they did, you know, with, with Stuart Zell and with the goalkeeper mm. and keeping the ball out of the net. Yeah. Um, Fuller, I think you must be tremendously excited as well um, because, it, I mean, it, it's obvious, isn't it, in terms of depth, this is simply the best side you guys have had since being here. No question. Um, I'm also looking forward to some of the second-year players, even just second-year MLS players. Um, you know, Greg has had a great career, but he's also just a second year here. Romain, the same thing. Is When you get familiar with the league, you know what to expect. And we're really excited about them, really excited about Asani and, and Chase playing at left back. Um, but, you know, bringing in guys like Marlon Harrison and Ja'Cory Hayes and Aaron Schoenfield, uh, and you can keep going down the list, it... It, the, the depth is just it's fun to work with and it's a breath of fresh air when when the manager says we're going to do this this and this and their eyes are, are are open wide excited to train um, and that kind of mentality you, you always say you want and dream about but we actually have it here so um, we're really excited about the group and can't wait for for the first kick and also can't wait to get to get back to Allianz I think, I, yeah I think what's good coming from outside and seeing all these different MLS players coming into the team because I'm new mm -hmm. I'm looking at the new like you said Fuller the, the new MLS players when the manager sets the training up they've not seen that before mm. so so they're excited because they, they they love what what we do incomparable to you know the MLS yeah so we're, we're like for them it's like oh this is my career reborn here I'm going to start my career here I'm going to get myself going um, so it's been really good and, and like I said the lads who have had it a couple of clubs in MLS or a couple of seasons in MLS then all of a sudden come here and work, work with 
with the manager and, and everybody else as well in the staff, mm. they're all looking and going, I really enjoy it here. And, and you know, I could probably stay for five, ten years if I want to. Right. And that and that's the the real eye-opener that I've had in terms of the start of seeing everybody like for new, for, for mm. uh, with a new set of eyes. Mm. And we'll, we'll finish here, chaps. So I'll ask you all the same question. What is acceptable this year? What do we view a good season for Minnesota United? Well, you, you would have to say playoffs. You know, we had a special night with the first playoff game. It'd be nice to have a few more of them. You know, I just want to see us improve on and off the field as we have been doing. And if we do, we, we're going to be OK. For me, I think it's all the playoffs. Mm -hmm. I think that's every club's... Uh, target at the start of the season and then once you're in there anything can happen John? Take each game as it comes try and win your first one if you don't win your first one win your second one difficult to, to, to look I, I think the overall target which is what the manager mm -hmm. said he sets the long term vision but for me coaching wise let's get this next week sorted then we'll get the next week after that sorted and then any changes that we need to do there then the manager will let us know what we, what we need to do I feel the same. I mean, I'd love to win the MLS Cup. I'd love to make the playoffs, but I'm, I want to win Portland. Uh, we've got that date circled. It has been circled for the last eight weeks, so um, can't wait for it to come. And uh, I think the guys actually can't wait either. It's been a long preseason. Uh, Gaffer, the last word is yours. Um, a message to the fans ahead of the season. It's more, more of the same. You know, I think one of the things that everybody spoke about was the atmosphere generated in the new stadium. We have to give them something to cheer, but they're going to be crucial to everything that we do. That atmosphere that we create in that stadium will make it as intimidating as it can, and I think the players will respond off that. So more of the same from them. Wonderful, chaps. Thank you very much indeed. And thanks to you at home for listening as well. As always, uh, for the latest information, keep it right here on MNUFC.com.